Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the twenty seventh of May. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I announce before you speak, Pierre, that my coup against you clearly failed. Clearly failed, and Pierre is back this morning. That's right, and I'm Pierre Morrow, and、uh, I was going to give a long story about how you tried to run off, re, run, run me off, off the, the road, road on my bicycle, <laughs> but given that you've apologised on air beforehand, <laughs> I will actually not let the listeners know about all my various injuries and bruises. But anyway, I'm very happy to be back here, listeners, and、uh, as every week.、Um, as, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links and those details, Giselle. That's right. You can find us on the web or the w.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. You can also email us at aawl at aawl.org.au. And if you feel so inclined to give us a ring, our number is nine double six three seven two double seven. And before we announce what's on, on today's program, a big thank to Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting show. And the music that you were listening to was from Beth King and the Hemingway Company singing Andalusia. So, what's on the show after the little news roundup? That's、Giselle? right. In the second part of the show, we're going to be speaking with Sam Watson,、um, who is an Aboriginal man from New South Wales, and also in the Socialist Alliance.、Um, and we're going to be talking about this year being, and in fact, yesterday being the 50-year anniversary of the 1967 referendum. But of course, listeners, many of you will be following developments in Uluru and the Constitutional、um, Committee. Or convention that he's currently discussing the uh, recognised um, well. Discussing the recognised campaign, and this is about、um, some constitutional recognition of Aboriginal people. There are a lot of、uh, there's a lot of opposition to that at the moment. So we're going to be talking about what is that opposition, why, and what what position can workers take in support and defence of Aboriginal people. That'll be a, a very important interview.、Um, all right, let's go straight to the labour news from the region, and we'll start、um, right at the very edge of. Of、uh, West Asia, where um, the um, it is now six weeks, or, or I think it's forty-one days, if I were to be correct, on today that one thousand five hundred Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails have been on hunger strike. The health of some of these prisoners has deteriorated markedly over the last week, with real fears that some may die soon. Last Monday, there was a huge strike throughout the occupied t- territories by Palestinian workers and communities in support of these hunger strikers. Labor groups all around the world. Um, are calling on Israel to meet the demands of the hunger strikers, and、um, tomorrow, from tomorrow, you'll be able to go to our website actually look at、um, some of these calls. Solidarity actions are also continuing daily around the world. Um, in support of the hunger strikers, the,、uh, although the situation in Palestine is becoming more tense as each day passes. 
And in Turkey last Sunday, President Erdogan, following his successful constitutional referendum on gaining more powers for the post of president, wasted no time in promising to fight mercilessly against all his enemies. With the situation for workers already very serious, such calls only promise more hard times. This week, two teachers who had been on an extended hunger strike in protest against their dismissals were arrested, as were some of their supporters the day after. In addition, the government has once again invoked national security reasons to stop workers taking industrial action. And I just can't imagine what it would be like to organise in Turkey at the moment, but it doesn't look like uh, our side is um, is stopping. And I think their, their courage and their persistence is absolutely incredible. That's right. And um, you also worry about the hunger strikers who've been arrested uh I can only imagine they're going to be uh, force-fed now. Um, now we go to, uh, as we've um, mentioned before, but I will we'll certainly mention because it's a very important event coming up. It's about the Maruti Suzuki workers' struggle. The um, And it is an ongoing struggle, given that some of them are in jail, um, but it's been going for many years. But we are going to be screening a new documentary called the factory that focuses on the three-year criminal prosecution of hundreds of these workers. It will expose the structural injustice of the law in India that protects the profits of the global auto industry. This uh, film will be coming up in just over two weeks uh, on half past six, Tuesday, the 13th of June at Long Play, 318 St. George's Road. And if you go on our Facebook page, uh, you'll be able to um, um, click on the appropriate page. It's really, as one of the people that's organising that film, comrades, if you are planning to attend, and I I think you should, it's a really important documentary. And um, there's going to be an introduction to the film by myself and Jerem, who were in India last year and met with the Marushi leaders at that time. So we'll give you an update on the campaign and also what we think is next in the campaign. But if you are intending to come, please go to Facebook and let us know because I have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to have to get a bigger space for that event. And I might have to be the the door person there holding the crowds out. Uh, looking now at Korea this week, thousands of members of the Korean Metal Workers Union took to the streets against proposed amendments to the Labor Act and for secure jobs. They also staged a solidarity rally in support of two of their comrades, John Yong-soo and Lee Song-ho, who are now into their second month of their aerial protest against their dismissal from the Hyundai Maipu dockyard. Also this week, a United Nations human rights body declared that the continued detention of Han Sung-kyun, president of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, is contrary to human rights and he should be released. Just a few a few updates, well not updates, but a few additions to that. Uh, firstly, I think those the protest against new labour laws need to be seen in the context of the election of um, Moon Jae-in because he came in promising to be pro-worker, especially under the pressure um, of the movement that ousted Park Yun-hai. Um, but also, uh, in relation to the release of Han Sung-kyun, that's currently going through a series of appeal processes before it goes to a, a, an application for clemency. We can only uh, remain hopeful. And I think we've heard there's a general strike um, very soon, although we can't actually Yeah, confirm. I do. I th- it's in June. I wish I have been told the date and I can't remember off the top of my head. But the, the general strike relates to when this legislation is entering Parliament. So it is opposition to that um, 
to that legislation. And all the best to whenever that happens, comrades. We now go to the Philippines where um, Jenny Marcos was a leading activist for the Peninsula Employees Union at the um, um, namesake uh, hotel, the Peninsula Hotel, when in January of this year she was sacked and two of her colleagues had suspended. Their crime was to negotiate for better working condition, like the use of a cart when cleaning rooms, as well as to gain secure employment status for over 400 casual employees. The workers at the hotel are now about to undertake industrial action, as in these last few months, management has continued to campaign against better working condition and the union itself. The RUF has now initiated an international campaign in support of these workers. And looking now at Indonesia, the industrial dispute at the huge Grasberg copper and gold mine that started earlier this month has continued to escalate with the company, Freeport McMorrin, now having terminated the contracts of over 2,000 workers. The mine has always been controversial due to its massive size, its environmental impact on the region and the fact that local people, so the West Papuans, have seen very little of its wealth. The mine is protected by a large contingent of Indonesian soldiers, and that's the TNI. Latest reports indicate that up to 4,000 miners might now have been sacked. Of course, um, when was it? Was it 2011 we had the last massive um, strikes at that particular mine where the TNI did open fire on those um, workers, killed nine of them, but um, Indonesians and West Papuans stood together, which was why that was so significant. That's right. So again, it's um, it, I mean, it's incredible that it's such a huge strike, a huge, such a huge, important mine. But there's very little information around what's what's happening. And the last item, uh, least but not last but not least, is about this radiothon here at Three CR. Um, if you're listening uh, to us right now, it's only because Three CR Radio has been on air for 41 years, and it was started by uh, activists like. Like you and me, by workers and um, and other um, community activists in the seventies. So, if you want to keep hearing all the shows that you hear, if you want to keep us on there, please uh, donate money. The, our radiothon is going to be from the fifth uh, to the eighteenth of June. So, uh, certainly stay tuned and um, support uh, your radio. And that's really the end of the um, of the news roundup for this week. Um, you can uh, go and investigate more of these stories when we put up on the on our website next um, uh, tomorrow, and uh, you'll be able to follow the links for more information. Um, but we'll go to a couple of community announcements, and then we'll be back with uh, Sam Watson talking about the referendum uh, anniversary and also the constitutional um, meetings that is happening at Uluru. Uh, well, it's ha- happened over the last um, week. We will not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that, that nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. 
Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded. I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. It is 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. 2017 is the 50-year anniversary of the 1967 uh, referendum in support of uh, the recognition of Aboriginal people in the Australian Constitution. At the same time, there are current discussions for further recognition of Aboriginal people in the Constitution in the form of the Recognise campaign, which is highly contested and there is much disagreement within the Aboriginal community about that particular campaign. Joining us now is Sam Watson, uh, Indigenous comrade from Socialist Alliance based in uh, in New South Wales or Queensland. Welcome, Sam. Brisbane. <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> hey, Sorry. Can I, how are you doing? I'm well. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. I wanted to start off by looking at the 1967 referendum because I think there are quite a few misconceptions about what was actually achieved under that and, of course, looking at what there is to celebrate but what there is to remain critical of and continue the fight for. So I understand that the 1967 referendum was about including Aboriginal people in the census and also allowing the Commonwealth Government to make laws for Aboriginal people. But actually what it didn't include was giving Aboriginal people the right to vote, recognising Aboriginal people as citizens, and, and the most important, it was definitely not about equal rights for Aboriginal people. Now, if you track through the uh, Aboriginal struggle for rights, um, for over a number of decades, uh, Aboriginal people who had fought in the armed services had the right to vote. Um, the different states moved the uh, moved their change of electoral laws to allow Aboriginal people to vote. Um, and in 1963, the Menzies government of the day changed the Australian Electoral Act uh, so that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people uh, could enrol and then vote. So the right to vote, I said, it's long uh, and convoluted struggle. Um, Queensland was the last state in the Commonwealth to actually extend the right to vote to Indigenous people, and that didn't happen until, uh, what, 1960, in the early 1970s. So it took a while. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, the questions that were put to the Australian electorate on, uh, on May 27th, 1967 uh, were to change constitution uh, to change section 51 um, I think uh, sub clause uh, 18 or somewhere there 26 26 I think uh, but uh, to empower the federal government to have the authority to legislate in favor of indigenous people that is important and then the second change was to change one section 127 because previously that section had read that uh, in figuring the, the numbers of uh, citizens across the, the nation that uh, Aboriginal people would be excluded from the vote. So it was felt by the Federal Council, uh, the Federal Council for the Advancement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, that uh, those two clauses had to be changed. Um, and the, the great heroes and leaders of the day had uh, fought across a number of years to bring about those changes. So they engaged with the, uh, the Menzies government that Menzies refused to uh, to go to the people. And then, of course, Harold Holt came in and uh, after a series of meetings with the, the national leaders, he agreed to put the questions to the vote uh, in May 1967. But uh, 
the the political leaders of the day try to sneak in a third change, which was to increase the numbers uh, of representatives in the House of Reps. So they tried to pull a swifty, but uh, the Australian people were all fired up to to support the changes for Aboriginal people, but they rejected uh, the increase in the number of representatives in the House. So they weren't, they weren't con. So there have been uh, 44 questions put to Australian voters across the history of the Commonwealth since 1901 to change the Constitution. But only eight of those have succeeded. And by far, by a significant margin, the 1967 vote was uh, was the most uh, most dominant uh, response by the Australian people to actually change the Constitution. So, uh, and that paved the way, provided a platform for the move into the 19, the 1970s and 1980s because it didn't bring about real change immediately. I mean, Aboriginal people didn't wake up on May the 28th, 1967 and have a brand new Holden in the, in the front garage and a brand new house and uh, jobs and uh, schools for their kids and better health care, etc. So it didn't happen. But, uh, well, they didn't wake on. up on, you know, the 27th of May in 2017 with that either, I guess. That's right, that's right. So, um, but uh, in, in many political situations, the, the the journey is just as important as the, as the destination. And our mob learnt a great deal through that 10-year campaign, they worked uh, comprehensively with the, the trade union movement, uh, the Christian community, um, students, uh, ordinary people across the community. So people are out there every day uh, across Australia to, to secure the 10,000 signatures by registered voters. They needed to to change, you know, to force the federal government to bring about that constitutional change. But... Uh, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, our mob learned a great deal and uh, the Australian people generally uh, were placed in a situation where they had to engage with uh, the, the, the big issues confronting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Well, in that um, in that 10-year campaign towards the 1967 referendum, were there similar um, de- debates and discussions that are happening right now? Was there a strong con- contingent in the Aboriginal community that opposed going forward with the, that sort of constitutional reform? Well, I mean, most of our mob weren't on the rolls and didn't have the opportunity to enrol to vote in that forthcoming uh, ballot anyway. Um, also, it was an issue that uh, was only voted on within the states. So the six states had to make those decisions and the the largest, uh, large number of Aboriginal people in the, in the Northern Territory were excluded from that process and those Aboriginal people in the Australian Capital Territory. So it was a fairly, it was a fairly difficult, complex uh, political machination um, and, and uh, the fact that they needed a majority of voters and a majority of states, so uh, there was overwhelming support in uh, across uh, Victoria and New South Wales. Queensland was was a bit iffy, so you, it's, it's a real study to look at the actual voting voting figures and uh, the ballot boxes where there were uh, numbers of Aboriginal trust on the people. But uh, and but I mean back in the days, back in the 1960s. Australia, Australia had uh, one of the highest standards of living for, you know, a Western nation. They had, they had uh, a very a booming economy. Um, there was the 
unemployment was down at 1.5%, I think. Um, Australia, the highest uh, home ownership rate in the Western world. So Australians felt good about each other. The, the grain crops and cereal crops are doing magnificently well. Uh, the beef crop, uh, so the mining boom. Uh, so the 1960s was, was a great time to be Australian, and, and Australian voters could feel generous. And, uh, and when you had these uh, flashing photos of, uh, of smiling Aboriginal children, uh, put across the, the media and uh, et cetera, then, uh, yes, they, they were going to go out there and they were going to vote. Well, looking at the situation today, the recognised campaign, the, the summit or um, the Constitutional Committee, I guess, it's meeting in Uluru, um, the 250 delegates, many of whom walked out uh, over the last couple of days because they didn't like um, the way that that uh, summit has been conducted. Firstly, what is the recognised campaign or recognised uh, proposal about what is the change that we're looking at to the constitution? Oh, look, you're no good asking me because I've had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, just just reading the uh, reading the blurbs and the uh, on email and the social networks. Uh, it's about you know, including some sort of recognition for Indigenous people. But I'm not going to I know what you know. How do you how do you put a value against that? How do you translate that into because you know Queensland changed the their preamble to recognise Indigenous people back in the 90s, but that didn't stop a single Aboriginal death in custody. It didn't stop a single arrest. It didn't provide a single job, a single house, a single opportunity for our students to get into uh, college or university. It it hasn't uh, created a single opportunity for our mob to start businesses. So um, I I really, you know, um, that's that's a minimalist option to to change the preamble or whatever, and it's a minimalist option to just put words in there that we can all feel wonderful about. I mean, same as uh, Rudd's apology back in 2008. Uh, felt good, sounded good, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, whose his lives were really changed. There was no no suggestion of any any uh, payment, any compensation or reparations to the victims of stolen generations. So these are sort of things that we, we need, really need to be talking about that... that um, a black community level, and uh, and if we're not happy with it, we need to get up, get back on the streets. So, sick of living up in the in the boardroom, our mob need to get back on the streets and uh, get real again with their politics. I think we can certainly share those uh, sentiments, um, Sam. But in terms of the actual the meeting, um, I was just a bit um, uh, uncertain. Who's actually picked these people? How has been the process to actually? convene this uh, huge um, convention? Oh, look, mate, again, you're asking the wrong person. I've, I've had nothing to do with it. We were invited to the uh, forum in Brisbane, but again, there's only a handful of people, um, and there's certainly uh, no, no person's representative represented at those forums who would have been talking up the no case. So looking at the uh, the media coverage of the meeting out at... Uh, at Uluru, I can see a few people there who would definitely have been putting forward the no case and putting forward the uh, the case for a treaty and sovereignty. So that is that is important. But uh, but really, it's been driven by people who are essentially uh, you know public servants and uh, and those sort of people who have a much closer working relationship with government. But uh, I was really disappointed that government spent you know a couple hundred million dollars on this campaign for the yes case, but uh, didn't put one cent towards allowing the no case, any, any sort of coverage. So 
you know, Australian, because Jim is Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people in particular have not been given the opportunity to consider uh, both sides of the question. So from your point of view, now that you've just said that this, uh, I mean, the yes case for recognition, however you want to define it, has been pushed um, a lot by government and various uh, departments, and you've talked about the journey is as important as the the end point of the struggle. Where do you see now that the the, the struggle for Aboriginal rights f- from here? How how do you view this convention within this process? Well, I think the uh, the final statement that came out of Uluru yesterday was uh, was headed in the right direction. Uh, people. Uh, Determined to bring about a treaty, that's important. Uh, we should take a, you know, a number of lessons from the South African model, uh, because when Mandela uh, led the the push in South Africa to dismantle apartheid, there were, and and then he was elected uh, as the first black uh, president of South Africa. There are a number of steps that the nation took, and that was, you know, step number one was to uh, bring about. Uh, important agencies like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So there should be a Truth and Reconciliation Commission here in Australia to travel across the countryside and document and quantify the uh, the enormous uh, devastation that's been caused by the European invasion of country. Uh, I'd like to put a dollar value on what uh, you know the, the white invasion has stripped from Aboriginal economies. So... We need to put a dollar value on everything that's been stolen from us. So, and we need to identify and document and record the enormous uh, number of casualties of our people uh, who perished uh, during the war of genocide that's been put, that's been waged against us since 1770. That needs to happen. So, White Australia uh, is living in on stolen Aboriginal land. So, White Australia needs to be confronted with that truth, with that reality. And uh, white Australians need to be held to account. So, I mean, you've got all this business up here about the, the mining uh, deal they're going to make with Adani. But uh, you've got uh, a small group of people resisting that. Uh, so uh, white Australia needs to come to terms with the fact that uh, this is sacred land, this is sacred country. It's not meant to be dug up and put into uh, ships and taken off to other parts of the world. This This country has enormous sacred significance to us. Well, Sam, thank you so, so much for your time on the program this morning and good luck with uh, the rest of the struggle and taking this to the streets. Oh, it goes forward, mate. You know, year after year we, we step up to the line and uh, it's great to see that uh, we now have a new generation of young people coming through with that, uh, and they've got that fire in the belly. So we'll be there to teach them and support them and guide them because... Uh, yeah, it's uh, the challenges are still there, and they're still essentially the same as back in the days of the, uh, you know, the first great movements of the 1930s, the 1940s. So, and I just uh, during this time we pause and just uh, give honour and recognition to those magnificent elders and, and leaders and patriots and pioneers who fought the great fight uh, back in the back in the day. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you. That was Sam Watson, uh, Indigenous man from Brisbane and member of Socialist Alliance. And that does bring us to, oh, he was speaking about the uh, the 1967 um, referendum for recognising or including Aboriginal people in the census and allowing the Commonwealth Government to 
legislate in favour of Aboriginal people. We also spoke a little bit about the current uh, recognised campaign as well. And that's uh, the end of the program. Sorry, I just um, picked it while you were taking a breath. I just got in there, uh, listeners. Uh, but she managed to stop her, her, her <laughs> My insatiable of... <laughs> desire to talk. <laughs> I'm glad you've said that. Giselle, it's on record now. Um, it's just on 29 past and 9 o'clock, and that's the end of another program of Asia-Pacific Currents, brought you every week by Australia Asia. Workerlings will be back next week with more news from the Labor uh, movement in the Asia-Pacific region. But don't forget, uh, Radio Sun's coming up. Put your dollars away and uh, stay tuned to 3CR Radio and to Palestine Remembered, which will be coming up straight after this short committee announcement. And um, that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. And me, Giselle Hanna. The 3CR annual Radiothon is almost here. All donations over $2 are tax deductible. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference. To donate, just call 03 9419 8377 or online at 3cr.org.au. Help keep this mighty station going strong for many more years to come. Radiothon 2017, 3CR, Radio for Change. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.